0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The man in this morning's gospel was deaf, and he also had an impediment in his speech. In a certain way, his physical disabilities remind us all how insufficient and needy we are as human beings. In the end, we're just people, that's it, mere mortals. As St. Paul told the Corinthian Christians, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. We focused on this theme last week through the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Both men went into the temple to pray, The Pharisee, however, spoke to God as though he was in control and good to go, as we say. The publican did not even lift up his eyes. Instead, he prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord Jesus then finished the parable by saying, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. So the Lord used the tax collector, the publican, last week, and he's using the deaf man with the speech impediment today to show us something. What is it? Simply that we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. Our sufficiency is from God. To be sufficient is to be or to have enough. We're not enough in and by ourselves. We are enough though. We are enough in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we begin to realize that we're not sufficient in ourselves, when we really start to get that, we may have a variety of responses. People know this. We all know this. For example, a lot of people simply agree that, sure, humans don't have all the answers, and then they leave it at that. That seems to be the response of many today who operate according to the secular mindset. For them, The temporal world as we know it and see it is all that matters. Whatever lies beyond that, if anything, in their mind, is meaningless. What matters is right here and now. Interestingly, although tragically, this is viewed as a position of strength in our culture. A statement of human intellect of human privilege, of human right, of human self-sufficiency. For us as Christians, though, this is a sad statement, one of despair because it holds no hope and no eternal possibility. Another response when we come to grips with our insufficiency is to grasp God for insurance purposes. We may think to ourselves, if this is what I need to believe in order to get to heaven, I'll do it. As cheap as that sounds, this is how many Christians enter into the Christian life. It's a contractual kind of thing. I will do this for you, God, if you promise to do this for me. But nevertheless, it is a step of faith. Often this kind of faith is one-dimensional. It's a thing believed only in the mind, a mental ascent. God is like an acquaintance that we maintain contact with in order to stay on his good side. We see him even as a Jekyll and Hyde kind of deity, one who's unpredictable. On the one hand, he may show mercy. On the other hand, he may send a random punishment our way. In this infancy kind of faith, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is not understood nor is the reality of the new life which is ours by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit there is so much more beyond this initial phase or step a third response involves internalizing our faith allowing it to penetrate our hearts and actually affect our behaviours and our lifestyle. As Christians, this is not a work that we attempt alone. It is, rather, a gracious work which the risen Lord offers to do in us by His Spirit. In this phase, in this kind of faith response, we enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son By the Holy Spirit, we begin to realize that the words that we hear and say in church actually have meaning and truth. By the grace of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see our life and our purpose differently, in another light, with an eternal impact or implication. We're here to worship and glorify God and to offer him ourselves, our souls and bodies in thanksgiving for the love and mercy he's poured out upon us in his creation and through his work of recreation and salvation by his son. In his book, uh, Keep Christianity Weird by Michael, Michael Frost, we read the sequel last Lent Michael Frost says, when the spirit renews our minds, all of life becomes an act of worship. That's because the spirit not only opens our eyes to see who Christ really is, but also breaks our hearts to see who we really are. And rather than this being some deathly experience of unending humiliation, Seeing ourselves as broken and in need of a savior actually liberates us. It frees us from self-aggrandizement and throws us on the mercy of God with gratitude and love. And when that happens, we find within ourselves there's this growing and nurturing sense of the greatness of God and the beauty of God's love. All of life, becomes charged with the presence of God. And we find ourselves wanting to offer more and more of our lives to God as an act of sacrificial worship. So these three responses are set forth today. I lay them before you because the gospel through the man that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, presents a picture of the human condition and our need for faith. Faith, not in some watered-down, generic, philosophically rendered and politically correct version of God, but faith in the living and almighty one who has revealed himself to us as the Holy and Everlasting Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the end of his sermon on this gospel, which he preached in the year 1522 at Wittenberg, Germany, Martin Luther said, we must first hear the word of God and thus through the intercession of Christ obtain a faith of our own. And then we come out confessing this faith and praising God forever. We must first hear the Word of God, and then through the intercession of Christ, obtain a faith of our own. And then we come out confessing this faith and praising God forever. In healing the man in today's gospel, the Lord Jesus made these actions. He put his fingers actually into the man's ears. And then he spit on his finger and touched the man's tongue. And then he said, "Ephatha, Be open. This work of putting the spittle on the man's tongue, Luther said, typifies or signifies the giving of the word of God saint paul explained to the church in rome that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god what that means is that we must hear the word of god in two ways with our ears and with our hearts let me ask you please who delivered the word of god to you Who read the Bible to you as a child? Who took you to church? Who spoke this holy and eternal word to you? A parent? A grandparent? A school teacher? A Sunday school teacher? A minister or pastor? A priest? And let's also consider this one. To whom might you deliver this eternal word? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, we must hear the word of God with our ears, the whole truth of the word, the complete good news of Jesus Christ, his birth, his suffering, his death and resurrection. We must hear it with our ears and then take the message into our hearts by faith. This second hearing, this hearing and believing in the spiritual sense, is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And he will use us to assist others. A final thought. The whole emphasis this far has been about a personal response of faith. You know, a lot of us here have grown up in a Christian culture, and it was kind of an automatic thing. The systems of our culture were really sympathetic to the Christian faith, and we could kind of drift along in it. But there's a point now, and we are moving further into a time in this history of ours, when the culture is no longer Christian and what's being laid out is the need for a personal response of faith, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That when we come to receive the Holy Communion of his precious body and blood, this means something precious to us. When we hear his most holy word read, he is speaking to you and me. The man in today's gospel is a picture of each one of us as individuals coming, needing to be open to the living word of God, both written and incarnate in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is another level of this there are probably two or three different levels of this but this final one today that man as he comes in the gospel this morning is also a picture of the church both locally as a congregation and universally as the body of christ so what does this mean for us as a congregation Well, the gift of faith, faith in the true and living God, is an antidote to fear. Faith is an antidote to fear. I'm talking about the living faith. I'm not talking about a mental ascent. I'm talking about a faith that shapes our lives. Faith that that causes us first thing in the morning before our feet hit the floors to think of the Lord. And through the day, this faith that fosters a continual relationship with him, a a continual conversation with him. The church has become so enmeshed with the culture in recent years that she is afraid to proclaim the word of God in its completeness as revealed in the Bible the whole truth of the gospel. Mistakenly and tragically, the church has followed the ways of the world and the preferences of our culture instead of the true and living word of God. This has had detrimental effects on the shape and content of our worship and our mission, of the way we disciple people, Local congregations have felt pressured to soft-pedal the message, especially in these terms of who God is, of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In terms of the authority and inspiration of the Word of God in the Bible, and in terms of His intention for Christian marriage and family life. The point is, faith is an antidote to the fear that we've gotten ourselves into by engaging so deeply with the culture. The killer of faith is getting into bed with the culture. And we're coming to a crossroads where we need to understand that we are called to be separate, consecrated from this culture, set apart. Like this building, it was consecrated. The picture is so perfect that the picture of the consecration of the cornerstone of this building remains in the main entry. This place was set apart From all profane and common usages for the glory of God and his worship alone. And so were we when we were baptized. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, one other thing, sorry, one other thing. When we get into bed with the culture, that we diminish the power of God. Because the culture wants to treat God like a pussy cat, rather than the lion that he is. We begin to strip away the power of God and we start to believe it less that he truly, the power of his truth and grace in our lives. So we start looking for other answers rather than to him. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by trusting that he is real, that his death and resurrection mean something and deliver new life to us by the spirit, we can move beyond the fear of our culture to share the hope and promise of the gospel with our neighborhood and community. This means that the church retakes the traditional Christian disciplines. You know them worship prayer bible reading receiving the sacraments of baptism and holy communion christian marriage all of the disciplines fasting that the lord has laid out for us in his word as alan kriter put it after examining the first 400 years of the church He said the church in in the first 400 years moved forward against all odds and against all of the official cults of the kingdoms that it was placed in. The church moved forward in three ways. By embodying a patient hope, trusting in what God has said about the future, that Christ would come again. When he cometh, when he cometh, to make up his jewels. Secondly, by committing ourselves, by committing itself in the first 400 years to counter cultural, communal practices or habits. We share a fellowship, an invisible fellowship, but a real fellowship by the Holy Spirit. The the same Holy Spirit who dwells in me dwells in you. The same with the Christians in Africa, in Europe, in Asia we share this fellowship by the Holy Spirit, and it's real. And thirdly, the church in the first 400 years moved forward and grew by discipling newcomers through a formal process of instruction and worship. A process that we would think was so radical today, we'd dismiss it in a second. The church in the first 400 years was not afraid to say no. We're not sufficient of ourselves. Our sufficiency is from God who made us and redeemed us by the precious blood of his son. And he offers us today, through the picture of this poor man in the gospel, a living and eternal relationship with himself through his son. A relationship that involves truth and mercy, repentance and forgiveness, healing and new life a daily and an eternal purpose, hope and salvation that will never fade. There it is. Free for the taking. Let us accept the offer and be partakers with him of this new covenant, of what Paul says this morning as the ministration of righteousness. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.